Hello? All right. Yep. Hey, Jameson, are you on better. the right Wi-Fi? Uh, I switched to the closet one, so I think I am now. Yeah, that's why you were dropping off before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get out of that closet. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back to the JavaScript Jabber podcast. This week on our panel, we have a special guest that is Paul Irish. Hello. Hi, guys. Do you want to introduce yourself for the two people out there that don't know who you are? <laughs> sure. Um, uh, so I am a uh, front-end developer. Um, I work on the Google Chrome team, and I do developer relations. Um, I also uh, am... I'm, well, Manage the projects of Modernizer and HTML5 Boilerplate, and launch projects like HTML5 Please and and uh, Mother Effing Animated GIF and all sorts of good developer-facing fun stuff. All right, awesome. Um, we also have on our panel AJ O'Neill. Hey, glad to be here again. And Jameson Dance. Howdy. And Joaquin Larson. Great to be here in good company as always. And Yehuda Katz. Hey, psyched for t Paul to be on today. Great to be here. Yeah, me too. And I'm Charles Maxwood from teachmetocode.com. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about uh, Chrome developer tools. And I, I think we're all going to figure out real quick that there's a lot to know. So um, I'm a little curious as we get started, Paul, what, what features do you find that most people request the most often that's already there? A lot. One one thing. One good one is um, that. Okay, so this is this is actually probably the best one, which is why can't you guys just have those checkboxes for disabling styles on the left, like every other every other tool? <laughs> uh, and so this has literally been like number one request for like two years. And um, as of about twenty four hours ago, it's there. <laughs> so. <laughs> So okay, that one's a little not so obvious because unless you're running Chrome Canary and you've updated and you've restarted your browser in the past day, you haven't seen it. But um, but I'm I'm very happy to announce we now have checkboxes on the left. Might seem like a little deal, but it's a big deal for for a lot of people. I'm gonna put so, in a request to move them to the right. Very <laughs> <laughs> really excited about I'm, that. I'm looking at it right now. That's pretty awesome, Paul. Yeah. It's good. It's good. People, they were just too far over, and like from a from a um, a Fitz law perspective, it was really awkward. And so now it's nice and close and happy. It's good. Um, there is balance in the force once again. Yeah, a lot of it is. Uh, so one one thing I hear is like, um, <clears throat> it'd be really nice to be able to like refresh and not have to worry about a browser my my disk cache to be caching my things. Um, is there any way to like clear out my cache? And we don't exactly have a button to clear your cache, but we just have a setting in um, in the DevTools settings to just disable cache. Um, and so the DevTools settings is actually a good one where, so down in the bottom right of the DevTools is a little uh, gear cog icon. And you click that and a bunch of cool stuff is in there. And and especially if you're running Canary, there's, there's even better stuff in there. Um, but one of those is disable cache. And so your your disk cache will just not even be honored. Um, and so you'll always be getting the freshest things. Uh, don't leave it on all the time because, of course, things will be slower. But um, but that should help a lot when when you're doing development. Now, is that per tab or is it <laughs> nope. global? That's 
that's global for the entire instance. So, uh, okay. Paul, by, by the way, so until you told me about that enable source maps thing, I actually didn't know that that cog exists. So I want to put a, another like, hey, if anyone's listening and was not paying attention to what Paul just said, there is a cog there and there's useful things in there. I yeah. spent a very, very long time saying, okay, I'm just going to use Safari because there's a disable cache mode. I never knew about this. And I, I like the Chrome it. DevTools better. Yeah, now, can, everybody get over your cogless life. Can't you, can't you also do like control shift R and refresh that way? Uh, that is not reliable. Okay. So basically there's, it, off, Chrome is actually pretty aggressive in caching. Yeah. And often I'm like running, so specifically I want cache off when I'm running tests. Right. right. I never, ever, ever want cache on a test because it's always wrong. So. And so there's a lot of cases where in, um, so if you're using something like a, a script dependency manager, like required JS, like a script loader, a, a shift command R um, type of reload will actually not be fetching the brand new versions with when that script loader brings in its scripts. So disable cache is, is, is an instance where you would, that would actually solve that problem. Just a quick question. So disable cache only is on when the um, the dev tools are, are running or is it a, is this a global forever? So the I believe it's uh does it the, the setting is is working as long as that box is checked, regardless of like if you have the, the dev tools pane open. All right. Okay. I have a I have a question for you, Paul. Uh, uh so I know that WebKit Inspector added a like edit edit your contents a while ago and me and Tom occasionally are like hey this is awesome we should use it and we can never get it to do what we want it to do um, I think it's mostly because we always want to be able to refresh and have the edit still there maybe that's just not how it works but what what is the use case as you see it for that feature ah uh, so for um, keeping track of your changes to CSS and JavaScript uh, so letting you basically go and live edit CSS and JavaScript so for us if, if we live edit JavaScript most of the time we're gonna want to reload the page because the thing that we're editing has already happened. Yeah. But then it's nuked. Yeah. So, um, so we have, um, right now the workflow for that. So, so what Yehuda's talking about is we have live edit. Um, and there's a few I ways that it. sort of, so, sorry, what? I love it. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Um, and so it's really quite surprising in JavaScript that you could just open up the scripts tab and double click and just start changing things. And, you know, like you change in the a click handler um, to have some different behavior. And then you click that uh, that button again, and it does the new behavior that you just typed. Uh, wait, you wait, can refresh wait. it all. You're saying you can live edit JavaScript, not just the CSS? Yeah, that's what, <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. uh, I, I'm one of those people you were talking about. No, I mean, it's okay. Like, all of this is coming like in the last so year. Nice. It's, it's all very new. The CSS show is on the other channel. Script. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, so you can live edit. You can make those changes. You can see it. You can get something to you what you want. Then you go over to the resources panel. Um, under resources, you're going to see your JavaScript. And next to the file that you were editing, you're going to see a little uh, arrow pointing down or pointing to the right. And it's just indicating that it's keeping track of all your revisions. And so there's a revision history. And you can revert back to a previous revision um, before your edits. Um, you also can see colored diffs on what exactly you changed um, or added. And you can right-click the JavaScript file and save that to disk. So um, you just right-click, say save to disk, and declare where it goes, and it overwrites your existing file or what have you. Um, 
There are currently two uh, Chrome extensions that try and make that a little bit better because always going over to resources and clicking save to disk and bringing up the file prompt and hitting save is kind of annoying. Um, and so there's two autosave extensions. Um, so we'll have these in the show notes, but one is called DevTools autosave and the other is called uh, auto dev save maybe. <laughs> it's very, very similar. And, and right now the two authors are trying to, to merge the best of both. Um, but essentially the, the pattern that both are offering is you make your changes and immediately those changes are just saved back to disk. Um, and so then when you refresh the page, it's, it's loading up the, the changes that you had just put in through the DevTools, um, which, is, which is the kind of development workflow that you want. Is there a world in which that feature gets into the Chrome tools themselves? Um, I think so. And, and I think mo mostly the engineering team would just love to hear about people's experience with that and, and would want to see people file bugs um, requesting cool. that. So if, yeah, if, you, so if you like that, file a ticket. I didn't know about that. I'm gonna. Me and Tom are probably gonna start using this because that's definitely there's def for CSS. It's really cool. You make the change. It's basically live. But for JavaScript, 99% of the time, when something has gone wrong, I actually want to redo the thing I just did that went wrong. Yeah. And obviously, so like click handlers will be there, but not. I can't make the the state go back to zero. So. Right. So one other question that I have is, where's the debugger? Is there a uh, debugger? Yeah. <laughs> Script debugger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of debugging capability um, for scripts uh, in the dev tools. Um, and so you, we have your, so in the scripts panel, you bring up a script, um, you can click along the left side and, and place breakpoints. You can right click and place conditional breakpoints uh, that only break when a condition passes. Um, let's say that your JavaScript was minified. You can hit the pretty print button at the bottom, which is the two braces. Um, and minify it, and then you can place your breakpoints uh, all over the the pretty printed and, and formatted JavaScript. Um, and then and then so the debugger works works like any other debugger does, and you have uh, step into and step over and pause and disable breakpoints. Um, we've been refining a lot of the things that are in there, so now um, there is a way to remove all the breakpoints all at once, which was a big request. Um, uh, and what is um, that way? It, what? What is the way to remove all the breakpoints? Ah, uh, so in the right-hand uh, pane where it lists out what the breakpoints are, if you just mm -hmm. right-click um, ah, on one cool. of them, there's remove breakpoint and there's remove all breakpoints. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And uh, one of the other cool features that that I came across recently, which is um, if you're stepping through and you're looking at like your scoped variables. And uh, one of them is a function reference. Uh, you can actually right click on that function reference. And in that context menu will be uh, show function definition. So it's getting, the DevTools are getting really smarter in kind of navigating from function to function, method to method. Um, and so you can kind of jump around to where these things are defined that you're using at different places. One, I actually noticed um, sometime recently the DevTools made it so that the object inspector knows uh, calls to string on classes instead of saying class. Uh, ah, it does. That's good. So I, I maybe I was seeing something crazy. It goes in the machine, but so Ember had makes has a two string on all classes, and it's like one of yeah. our banner features. And for a long time, we had to tell people like, hey, make sure you type two string if you want to know what it is, and blah blah blah. And I was noticing. Um, so just a plug. Tom did like a whole debugging 
video uh, for a, a talk recently at a meetup, and it will be it's basically like a whole like, hey, did you know all these things about debugging? Here is basically our workflow. Um, but while we were doing that, we noticed that all the Ember classes actually had their names, which is actually pretty cool because before it used to say class, and that was pretty terrible. Yeah. So uh, so if you are like yeah defining your own classes um, and you want to have better debuggability just define your your two two string and you'll be able to to get that as as output inside the dev tools which is a bit better than working with object object yeah and while we're over talking about uh the scripts panel um it's a little hard to do in audio but uh but i would encourage everyone to to check out canary uh so just so everyone knows uh, Chrome Canary can run side by side with any other Chrome install. So for developers, I really recommend running a Chrome stable, which everyone has, and then a Chrome Canary. Um, so you know what users are looking at, and then you can play with the, the freshest dev tools and the other fresh features. Um, Canary where, where updates once a, once a day. Uh, just Google Chrome Canary, okay. um, and it's, it's a quick download. So it updates once a day. Um, and uh, and it's not very that it's not that buggy either. It's 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 quite stable, so it's great. Um, but one of the new features that we have in there is a script navigator. Um, and so before, if you've been in scripts and you want to like bring up one of one of the files, you see that all your Chrome extensions are also listed in there. Mm -hmm. And now there's a nice way that those are separated out: um, your Chrome extension scripts and your own application ones. Um, they're all kind of categorized based on what origin they're from, what folder they're in, and it's really nice to work with. And there's even nice shortcuts uh, like Command O and Command Shift O that are jumping between files and jumping between function definitions within files. Um, so if you find yourself wanting to navigate around a lot, the dev tools aren't now are very cognizant of where all these functions are defined, and you can just jump immediately to where you want to go um, with a quick shortcut. One, one little thing, I'm, just, I'm going to uh, Chrome Canary now, and I see it says uh, for Windows, XP, Vista, and 7 only, your operating system is not supported for on Ubuntu. On Linux? Yep, this yeah. is true. We do not offer a Chrome Canary for Linux, um, which is just a bummer. Um, for Linux, uh, my suggestion is to go to um, download-chromium.appspot.com. Um, and so the Chromium builds are about an hour old. Um, so whereas Canary updates once a day, a Chromium build, a, there's a new Chromium build uh, binary once an hour or so. So um, so that's that's the solution there. And you have to update it on your own, um, which is kind of a bummer, but that's just where it's at right now. And there, there's no difference between Chromium and Chrome in this context? Correct. So are the dev and alpha channels that used to be in the repositories done away or? No, no. So, um, so we still have the beta uh, channel and the dev channel. Um, so, isn't the dev channel Canary more or less? Dev channel updates once a week. Um, okay. So, uh, that's the only difference. Um, so it depends on how fresh, how much you want it to change. the The downside that I've seen with dev channel is if a bug does sneak into it, you're stuck with it for a week, <laughs> mostly. But if a bug sneaks into Canary, you're pretty much stuck for it, with it for about a day. Um, and and I've been on I've been running on Canary for for uh, as my primary browsing browser for about a year now, and it's I've had very little problems. Nice. So, Mike, I have a question, and that is, 
how do you decide which features go in? Is it the most popular or do you decide what would add the most value or it's, it's a, it's a bit of all of that. Um, certainly, uh, so checkboxes is a good example of, of one where we just had an overwhelming public, uh, public demand for it. Um, another one that, that is brand new, um, is single click edit. So in CSS, um, one of the one of the big differences between Firebug and Chrome DevTools is if you're editing CSS, it takes two clicks in, it takes a double click in Chrome to get into the edit mode of CSS, whereas in Firebug it's a single click, and we just switched it so that it's now a single click. Um, small little thing, but I think people people prefer it. Um, so. Sometimes it's that. Other times it's you know people really need ways to debug, uh, ways to see their index DB storage, and so um, we were working with the the guys who implemented index DB support in Chrome uh, to get good support for that inside the Dev Tools, and so that just landed um, behind a flag earlier today. Um, and so part of it is just platform driven. Part of it is from what we hear. Another is we have a crazy idea and we're going to try it out and see if people like it. So it's kind of a mix of all these things. Um, <clears throat> but you can kind of track the, there's a few ways to track the evolution of the dev tools. Um, the best to kind of get a feel for uh, what's happening from week to week is Peter Beverly's blog. So it's at peter.sh and Peter talks about what's happening in all of WebKit and Chrome from a week-to-week -week basis, and he covers a lot of what's happening inside the Chrome DevTools. Um, and so if you've been reading that, you uh, read this week that a color picker just landed. Um, and so now if there's a little color swatch, you click it, and up pops a little graphical color picker, uh, which is uh, pretty, pretty handy. Um, so Peter's blog covers that, and you can also watch uh, the the Chromium bugs at crbug.com, and also the WebKit bugs at bugs.webkit.com. Um, and both of them have a category for Chrome DevTools or the Inspector. It's the same thing, different names. Um, and you can jump on, you know, watch different bugs, add yourself to the CC, chime in if you have any any feedback that would help, um, and kind of get a feel for for where these where the tool is heading. So right. you mentioned uh, just kind of like wacky, crazy ideas as one of the source of things. I don't know if you've seen that that video by Brett Victor, Inventing on Principle. Yeah. Seen that? So yeah, it's incredible. I, I, I want that stuff in the I Chrome want that so much. developer tools. Like, I mean, is, is so there I, any chance I of seen anything that. more interactive like that? So he basically he he's like an interface designer um from a thousand years in the future i don't know he's pretty amazing <laughs> um but he he demonstrates this editor where he has a canvas on one side and on the other side he has his code and he just kind of clicks on these constants in his code to to change the numbers and he can see it changing how it look how it draws on the canvas live on the other side and um it it's amazing he, he has a couple other demos on there that are pretty incredible but so that's I like what it, processing JS does, like the, the processing JS um, uh, demo site. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't seen that, but maybe. Uh, sorry, sorry. Um, but is is there any chance of anything um, more interactive, like he showed in that, showing up in the developer tools? Definitely a chance of it. Um, I think 
Uh, yeah, obviously, it's, it's it'd be really non-trivial to implement generally. And <laughs> yeah, doing it in a really specialized way. Right. So, like, so doing that inside CSS would be would be a good first step, and that's that's not too hard. Um, if you've seen when I saw that, it reminded me a lot of what Leia Veru did with Dablet. And so, in Dablet, you can kind of get a little pop-up preview of lengths of like in transitions, how long my timing is. Um, even what the easing function looks like um, when charted out as a curve. Um, and being able to have a little pop-up with a slider where I can just adjust from pixels, you know, from 10 pixels to 20 pixels and just change that on the fly with a graphically would be pretty rad. Um, and then when it comes into JavaScript, it would be really cool to kind of have a GUI to edit your JavaScript on the fly. Um, I think that's incredibly powerful and and the team has been looking at it. Uh, and you know, if we can figure out a UI that scales and works, then awesome. Um, and if anyone else has an idea for how uh, that could work inside the dev tools, um, please feel free to like send me your design. Um, this is like an open source project, so we're really happy to to get other people's ideas on how this could work. In fact, the color picker that I just mentioned um, was written by an external contributor. Just a, uh, I think he's based in. Um, uh, Missouri, maybe, um, and he actually worked with me on the on the mother effing animated GIF that I mentioned before, uh, and uh, he he just made the color picker code and integrated it into the inspector source code, and and now it's in. So, so certainly, if you have some ideas, we'd love to try and figure out how to make it work inside the scope of the project. So the UI itself for, for developer tools is written in JavaScript, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's a web app. And right. and when you bring that up, you're just looking at JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. Um, and so if you you can open the dev tools on the dev tools um, and just poke around them if you want. It's totally, it works. So this sounds really interesting for, um, well, just a really interesting way to work with code and, and something I like. But how... How do you design in a way that you can have your build tools where you're compiling your JavaScript together and also have that freedom of being able to have the development easily editable? Ah. Any uh, thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay. So so are you saying um, everyone should have a build process to make sure that they're optimized for production, but once you're optimized for production, it makes it quite more difficult to start to do debugging? Well, I'm saying like, for example, um, I in in my development code, I just have everything um, concatenated together, mm -hmm. but I don't have it minified. So if I were still, if I were to edit that file, it wouldn't do me any good. Mm. And I guess I could come up with some sort of process for um, having every single file included individually as a script tag in the page, or or then you know there's people working with CoffeeScript and that kind of thing. So it just it raises the question. Um, with all of this capability of being able to do so much in the browser, uh, where where do the build tools fit in, and how do they mold into that process? AJ, I am glad you asked. Um, so uh, this basically introduces the concept of source maps, and source maps are the solution to this issue. Um, the idea behind source maps is that uh, we want to be able to map um, some version of uh, a source code back to another form, um, and so this was so this was an effort that was kind of a, a joint effort between 
some developers at Mozilla and some of the Google Clojure guys and the Chrome DevTools guys. And it's now been implemented into Chrome, so you can try it out in Canary. But <clears throat> essentially, so one, one way to, to, you can try this out, which is um, you have to turn on the feature. But let's say that you have your uh, myapp.min.js. Um, that is a minified version of uh, six different JavaScript files that have been concatenated, run through Clojure Compiler, um, and is now in your app in production. Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty mangled. It, yeah, exactly. You can bring it into the scripts tab and you can hit prettify, but you know, you're still going to be looking at var a equals blank, var b equals whatever. So source maps allow you to basically um, map that uh, minified and concatenated file back to the original six source files. Um, and so by essentially turning that on and, and having an associated map file, um, you can now bring up the script debugger and debug in your original, um, uh, original six source files, all you know, completely correctly formatted, um, walk through with breakpoints and, and debugging, um, and, and live edit and, and get those changes over in revision history. Um, okay, maybe not live edit, that might be a little bit much. Um, but it, essentially, it seems like you could probably get the it, seems, it seems like you could theoretically do a reverse uh, reverse source map, but that's definitely not a thing that people yeah. have done. Yeah. Um, and so this is really exciting. So so not only can you uh, work for deal with that issue of I have production code and but I would you know that is not conducive for me to debug it. Um, but it also means that it enables uh, CoffeeScript debugging, and so I can be able to set breakpoints in CoffeeScript um, and walk through my code there. And uh, even though the browser is really interpreting it as the compiled JavaScript. So this has actually just kind of landed over the past uh, few months and is now kind of a reality. Um, I know CoffeeScript in particular, um, the project has to land a few patches. Um, and so those are not available yet. Um, and I think mostly the, the people don't really have a good feeling for the fact that this exists and what this functionality means, but it means that inside the Chrome DevTools, you're able to set breakpoints in your CoffeeScript files that look like CoffeeScript and walk through them. And, and the DevTools are doing the hard work of mapping uh, those, those source files to the compiled JS that it's actually interpreting. Yeah, I've actually been working on adding source map support to uh, Rake Pipeline, which is like my old thing in Ruby, and um, I think there's a little bit of a tooling issue still. There's like uh, the Chrome, sorry, the Clojure guys have their like Java, so the actual source map format is not good, right? It's yeah. not like human readable at all, and it's not, sure. but it, but it's it's efficient, and so the I think there's uh, Mozilla has something for uh, for Node, um, and I am working on something in Ruby, but I uh, I think in general game the tooling to like here is how you generate a source map please do not read the spec use this library is is necessary to get to a point where more people use it yeah um, I, mean, I, I think for most people most people are not going to actually be having to figure out how to generate the source maps they're even going to be any, using them through closure compiler through coffee scripts or letting people like you to figure out how it works for them so <laughs> <laughs> well, I think any I think any tool that does so right now the hack for concatenation is source URL, 
Yeah. Um, but source URL requires eval, and that's unpleasant. And I think so. I think anybody who does any kind of concatenation tool should, at the very least, do a minimal source map for the original yeah. concatenation. Absolutely. And, and that and that means that it's more than just like three people, right? It's, it's sure. going to be a, a few dozen people. Right. And yeah, and I, and getting I think, this into Uglify would would be key as well. Exactly. So, uh, can can we get some links for this in the yeah. uh, show notes? Yeah. Because I I haven't going to have links everywhere in the show notes. It's going <laughs> to be well, so good. Yeah, we're going to have a one hour show, and then Paul is going to spend another hour giving us links. <laughs> well, I would I would like that because this the source map thing, um, haven't really heard of it yet. I'm googling for it right now to see if I can come up. No, with it's, it's on Google. is out there. Um, yeah, I'm working my article with with uh, Ryan Seddon on this to basically highlight it. But yeah, there's there's not a lot of content out there right now. Someone related to this, what about Node.js uh, debugging via Chrome tools? Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, How does that work? Um, so there, uh, so it's cool because basically there is a debugging protocol um, that is specified and published for how... Xdebug? Sorry, for what? Not Xdebug. I don't think so, no. Um, but it's, that, it's that, for, that would be kind of cool as well. I mean, that would you know give a give the ability to to even debug a PHP or whatever else. Oh, that's exciting. Um, but so the the protocol is published for how the WebKit inspector um, handles debugging, and so there's a project called Node Inspector that just mapped up uh, Node's debug mode into this, and so you can just use the front end of the Chrome DevTools, or sorry, the WebKit inspector, same thing. Um, Use that front end, and uh, to walk through in a GUI um, what walk through your node code. Can you get the spec for that in the show notes, or or put it in the chat room? Yeah, I've looked for it a few times. Like, hey, I think I can do something with this, and I can never find the actual spec. Sure. Yeah, it's on the. Um, uh, it's available through the Chrome DevTools uh, Google Code site um, around its around the extension stuff. But yeah, I'll, that'll be in there. Cool. Now, one thing that I, I thought you said was that Chrome is open source. Uh, Chromium, the web browser, is totally open source. Chrome is a version of Chromium that has some extra things like a PDF viewer and support for H.264 codec. But pretty much they're functionally equivalent with some very, very minor differences. So is there a good place to go and see the source code for some of the stuff? Yeah. So, um, so if you just Google uh, Chrome DevTools, the uh, site for that should come up, um, and it's, a, it's on Google Code. Um, and there's a little link right on that front page called Peruse the Source, and it brings you over to a Google Code Search, and uh, you should just be able to walk through it. So there's like 30 JavaScript files um, that the DevTools are based off of, and you can just kind of read through uh, how that application is architected, which is pretty crazy. Um, but it's a lot of fun to look through. Um, I, I recently posted on my blog about uh, using box sizing, uh, box sizing border box for all your layout. And uh, the Chrome DevTools is actually uh, one of the web apps where I first noticed this in, in play, um, where they're just using box sizing border box to make their layout calculation a lot easier. Um, and so I learned that trick from reading the source of this. Um, and there's a few other really cool things going on inside of it. So out of curiosity, uh, is there any pressure on you to uh, put the Dart support into uh, Chrome DevTools? 
So I think, um, so for Dart, there are two ways that um, Chrome DevTools can essentially handle that. One is through source mapping, um, just like kind of what we talked about with CoffeeScript. Right. Um, and I haven't seen that yet happen yet, um, but uh, the Dart folks also recently re released Dartium, which is a build of Chromium with a Dart VM baked into it. And, uh, and it also already comes with uh, the DevTool support. So, uh, so there's essentially already uh, support you know, for Dart in, in, one, in one way uh, over there. Cool. What, what's, your, what's your feeling on Dart? Uh, how's that going? Uh, Dart's cool. Dart has, um, uh, I think Dart's exciting and provides a lot of control um, and, and a, a different development experience um, than, than you get with JavaScript because, you know, because it has types, because it has module system already baked in. Um, it has, uh, it has a lot of features that can be very exciting for folks. Um, certainly, as far as using it, um, you can compile it down to JavaScript and you can run it in all modern browsers, um, but you need ES5 support. So it's not like you can write dark code, compile it down to JavaScript and see it run in, in IE7. Really? So you're a little restricted it needs, there. It needs ES5 support? Yeah. Uh, cool story, bros. <laughs> so um, so there's that. and. Um, uh, but I, you know, I, I see a lot of like flex developers, um, uh, other developers that are, that don't, aren't attracted to JavaScript as a language and, um, and they, they like what they see with Dart. And so they're, they're playing around with it. Um, yeah. Just to go back for a second, what we were talking before about, um, uh, about like IDE environments with, uh, with Chrome dev tools and, uh, and personally I use uh, cloud nine IDE locally. Cool. And I was kind of I was kind of interested because Cloud EDE itself has a, a debugging interface as well, but that's mostly for the Node part, uh, the Node.js part. And I was just you you were asking for suggestions there, and I was kind of wondering if that couldn't be uh, something interesting. Like if, if you know you're saying it's uh, it's open, the, the the API for the debugger is open, and it can do remote debugging, I would suppose. Um, yeah, so in that fact, might, I think that might be something that's, that could be interesting there. Absolutely, I, I think that we might have. Um talked to the Cloud9 folks about this before, um, but any web-based IDE could kind of hook into what the Chrome DevTools are doing and either provide a new UI for the functionality of the debugger or other parts of it, um, or, or your changes in the DevTools could be immediately reflected inside the IDE. Um, exactly. There's some interesting integrations that are available um, there uh, that I think we're going to be seeing more of. Awesome. It's a great time to be alive. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. All right, we've got uh, a few minutes before we need to get into the picks. Um, really quickly, I wanted to go over some of the other stuff that you do. Um, you, you talked about uh, mother effing uh, something gifs, animated, animated gifs, animated. <laughs> and you've also got um, what, what? What was it? It was like an HTML. HTML five, please. HTML five. What was that? HTML five, please. Uh, HTML5 readiness, CSS3, please move the web forward. Um, it's a lot of those kind of sites. There was another one. It was like a, a it was like a baseline for CSS or something. Ah, the HTML5 boilerplate. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so HTML5 boilerplate, we recently uh, released the 3.0, um, but that's it. 
it's a fun project. Uh, it initially started as as kind of a I recognized all these things were being reused from project to project, and so why don't we just create a template, a starting template to save ourselves time when we create a new project? And then it just kind of grew. So um, not only is it a this is to save time, but it's a these are the best practices of the front end development community. These are the links to um, see why they're the best practices. And this is the best way to put them to use. Um, and so it's kind of become a, a somewhat of a community managed clearinghouse of, of all the, the best ways to do things um, in a cross browser environment, in an HTML5 environment um, for, for everyone. So, um, uh, and one of the other important things that, that we did um, is we built in a, um, a build tool as a default. So anyone getting started with, with the library um, has a build uh, a build script that runs through does their you know does their H JavaScript concat and minify same with CSS even can minify HTML although uh, it turns out that there's very little benefit in that um, the, it optimizes images which I think people don't do nearly enough um, but I think but I think I wanted to have um, a lot of this stuff just as easy as possible. Um, a test suite that's immediately hooked up so that you don't have an excuse like, oh, writing tests is hard. Well, I guess you do still have the writing tests is hard excuse. You just don't have the um, wiring up a test suite to my scripts is so hard. <laughs> so that's by, all. By, by the way, Paul, we, uh, you know this already, but Ember uses HTML5 boilerplate as our starting point for our starter kit project. And it should be the other way around too. Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we we've kept things um, we've kept things uh, as um, as simple as we can. Well, you know, kept things as as baseline as we can. Um, but you know, folks are asking about modules um, and and how we're going to deal with that. And and certainly, I think it's a it's a good time to be able to define some better things in in a project like the HTML5 boilerplate regarding building an application stack. So um, I've been thinking a lot about this recently, yeah. I was going to ask about that. I mean, isn't it different? Isn't, isn't it difficult to say like, okay, this is the best practice? I mean, we're all, you know, with, with our limited, uh, you know, insights and experience and stuff like that. I mean, isn't it difficult to say like, well, this is the way we should be doing it? Obviously, you have a community that, that kind of gives input. But, you know, I mean, how, how mature is our community? Sure. I mean, for for Okay, so I think we know how to clear floats, and there's a best practice on that. Um, is there a best practice on including uh, other modules of JavaScript? Like Shepard JS came out two days ago, provides a way to essentially somewhat polyfill ES6 uh, Harmony uh, modules um, in ES5 land, and that looks pretty cool um, and provides a, a different way of doing it than using AMD modules. Um, so should we come out and you know say that this is the right way to do it? Well, it's really hard to say. Um, so certainly, right. depending on on the maturity of of each kind of level of of building web apps, um, it's it gets more controversial, more hard to come out and and say what the de facto best practice is. But but my belief is that um, is that we need to because I am I am tired of of every developer being faced with this paradox of choice of all these different options. Yeah, I, and so. I, I, I think the the more that the community can can define what the best practices are and and reduce the number of options that all developers have, the better. I so I I totally I think it's it's very 
um, of the moment to say, how do you really know? Maybe there's choices. Every developer should read the source of everything they use. Everybody should think about it. But at the end of the day, all that means is that the millions of developers who are writing websites are all having to pay these multi-week long costs to do these full evaluations. And we, like you said, we know how to clear floats, but I think it goes beyond that. I think we know a lot of things and we should yep. just, we should stop we should stop playing to the JavaScript Illuminati that is wants everybody to do to be everybody. They want everyone to be me. They want everyone to be Jeremy Ashkenaz, and that's just not realistic. Right. And I think it's not it's not it's not reasonable that those of us who are very good at JavaScript and actually spend a lot of time doing evaluations foist that entire responsibility on everyone else. Right. It's a long tail of Joe developers rant, out there. Rant over. Yep. All right. So one one last question uh, with Chrome. It seems like, you know, it's, it's constantly under development. I mean, um, I, I leave it up for days on end, so I don't always get the updates right when they come out. But um, you seem to have a lot of movements with moving things forward, using HTML5, using CSS3, using the new standards. Um, how does Chrome fit into that? Do, do they tend to innovate quickly on those things, or do they wait until more people want to use them? Chrome uh, Chrome as a, a platform. Chrome as a, as a browser, as a platform, is, is very aggressive. And in fact, um, the, the goal of Google Chrome is to move the web forward. Uh, you go to the, the Chromium Google Code project, that's what it says. Um, and so the, the goal of Chrome was, was not only to create a fast browser, but also to ignite uh, a, a browser race towards speed and, and, and towards making things better. Um, and so Chrome's very focused on that. We have a, um, a six weeks six week release cycle typically. So um, every browser, uh, a new version, a new stable version of the browser comes out every six weeks. Um, the other more important part than the fact that we ship every six weeks is all of our users are updated over the course of a few days. So I think we have um, 200 million users and all of those get the update and are running the new version of Chrome over the course of a week, um, which is, is pretty rad, and, and we're excited about that. Um, and so we're we're always trying to find ways to kind of be able to let the the web platform um, move faster, iterate better, um, and get to the right solutions as fast as we can. All right, terrific. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into the picks. Um, I checked my email to make sure that we had warned you about picks because we've had people come on and go, oh, um, I didn't know about those, and that's my fault. Anyway, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, and get those out there. Uh, Yehuda, what are your picks? Um, so I've actually I signed up for the MITx course uh, on electronics, and I realized that I had, uh, so I went to look at the prerequisites, and it's like, hey, linear algebra and physics, and I'm like, I haven't taken those in like ten years. So I went back to look at uh, the open courseware stuff, and um, open courseware has. Uh, a lot of the courses have been rejiggered into what they call the Scholar program, which is basically um, the open courseware courses are basically just a bunch of a bunch of material thrown up on the website. The Scholar versions are basically divided up into online modules with videos and problems and sort of designed around training. Um, and sort of a micro pick is so I've been doing the linear algebra course and. Um, Gilbert Strang is the professor there, and he is so. If, if anybody out there uh, ever learned linear algebra and found it confusing the first time around, uh, he is so much of a better professor than the one I had in college. Uh, even watching him on video, um, it like actually I understand the whole area. I, the way I learned it originally was very memorization oriented, 
and the way he teaches is very conceptual. And my brain likes to learn math conceptually, not memorizationally. So uh, MIT Open Courseware, electronics course, um, specifically scholar stuff, and the Gilbert Strang linear algebra course in MIT Open Courseware. His textbook is fantastic too. Um, yeah, I actually I, I, I bought it. It's awesome. All right, Jameson, what are your picks? So. Uh, one of them is definitely inventing on principle. That video that we talked about by Brett Victor, um, it's it's incredible. It's an hour long and it's well worth your time to watch. Um, he shows these amazing interfaces that he's done, and he also talks about um, what what drives him to create things, and it's it's just great. Another one is a thing called CodeMirror, which is a way of embedding executable code in in your website. I've seen people use it for like uh, inline executable examples when they're doing blog posts and stuff. So I'm in the process of trying to get that up on my on my website, on my blog, and uh, it's pretty cool. And then my last one is just D3. It's a visualization library for JavaScript that um, is really fun to play with and makes some really neat graphics. So I'll, I'll put those in the show notes too. But them's my picks. All right. AJ, what are your picks? So uh, yesterday I had lunch with the HTML5 Provo group and a uh, pretty neat bunch of guys there as well. Um, so uh, if you're in Utah, pick them, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I just was reminded the other day of how much I like local business. Um, I was looking at getting some business cards because I'm doing some DJing on the side and like Vistaprint is super complicated. Like you can't even get to their checkout from the cart area without going through like 10 advertisements. And so there was this, I, I happened to be getting a haircut right by this place that does signs and graphics and that kind of thing and popped in and talked with a guy and local owner. And, you know, he just liked what he did and liked helping people. And it's just so nice to have that, you know, community for whatever it is you might be interested in purchasing or service or whatever. Cool. All right, Joaquin, what are your picks? Uh, I'll go with uh, 3JS, just in the, in you know, in talking about pushing the web forward. 3JS is a library for uh, for uh, helping to write um, WebGL uh, programs. All right. It's a framework for that. And uh, also I'll go with uh, Quake 2 WebGL, which is a, uh, um, an implementation or a, or a port of a Quake 2 in WebGL you can play in your browser. Quake. <laughs> yeah. Railgun. Anyway. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit um, upset that it's Quake 2 and not Quake 1, which is, you know, what I grew up with. I was like, you know, keeping it real. You know, Quake 2 was too slow. Yeah, I think I, think I played <laughs> Quake 3 in college. Anyway. Um, I suppose I'm next. One of the picks that uh, I have is something that I picked up uh, for a couple of my websites, I, I'm paying somebody to actually do the design for for one of my websites. It's going to be a rather large website. And uh, anyway, I was looking around to see what other options there were, and some friends pointed me to themeforest.net. And uh, themeforest.net is just a place where you can go and get HTML layouts. Um, some of them actually use some of the uh, jQuery plugins to do like um, animation of different images, so you can. Um, you know, you can click back and forth and you can see different images and stuff like that. But, you know, mostly it's just, you know, general HTML and CSS. And uh, it's something that I really, I found a couple that I liked 
And uh, so hopefully those work out for me as far as the, the websites that I'm building. And um, that's the only pick I really have for this week. So uh, we'll let Paul give us some picks. Nice. Okay. Um, oh, I just wanted to, to first thing mention on Joaquim's pick of 3JS. One of the interesting things is that 3, um, so 3 renders has a render built in for WebGL, but it also has renders built in for 2D Canvas and SVG. Um, but if you might have seen Akko.net um, recently got a redesign, has this crazy header up top, um, and it uses 3JS, and the guy behind that uh, wrote a render for 3JS with 3D transforms. Um, and so that just came out. Uh, so you can now create a scene in the 3JS library and actually render it in transforms, which is pretty wild. Um, a pick of mine that I had is from uh, the commit log of prototype.js. Um, <clears throat> Andrew DuPont made a recent commit, and he used um, a little syntax trick that I didn't understand. So I asked him for uh, some detail on GitHub. And uh, it's a um, it's three right angle brackets, and it's called a zero fill right shift bitwise operator. And uh, essentially, it's a ES3 compatible um, trick that is like ES5's two int 32 operator um, operation. But essentially, it coerces strings to numbers and falsy values to zero. Um, and it's just kind of kind of cool. Um, Another pick that I have is the is DOM mutation observers. So if you've used mutation events before, uh, you should take a look at mutation observers, which are available in Chrome Stable now. Um, they have performance that are that is somewhere around 500 times better. I'm just going to throw that number out there. It's a lot faster, um, and uh, that was recently shipped. We have a bunch of information about that on HTML5 Rocks, along with the a JavaScript library which sits on top and basically summarizes the DOM changes. Um, and so that that's really, really good if you're writing any sort of browser extension um, that hacks an existing page, but it also allows you to kind of watch the DOM and respond to it in a kind of brand new way. Um, also, also, Canary has uh, now, I don't know if it's in existing Chrome, but Canary has like checkboxes you can check off to watch specific mutation observers. Yep. Uh, yep. Which is pretty awesome. And I think my last is um, to do MVC, um, which is the uh, project which tries to um, have the same app written in a number of different client-side MVC frameworks, uh, released a new version 0 0.3. Um, they have new apps for Dojo and Clojure and updates for some of the existing ones. So um, so as always, if if like, like we were saying, we think it's terrible that everyone has to do a technology evaluation on, on their own. But if you're doing that, um, to do MVC has a good a good showing of of the current options and and how the code looks for each of them. All right, terrific. Um, so just to wrap things up, I want to let folks know that they can get the show notes, and there will be lots of links at javascriptjabber.com. Um, you can also give us feedback and suggest show topics for us by going to javascriptjabber.com and clicking on request a topic or clipping clicking the feedback. Uh, tab that's just kind of floating there at the bottom of the website. Um, other than that, uh, I just want to thank Paul for coming again. Um, it's always fun to have a guest, especially somebody as knowledgeable about the subject matter as he is. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. See ya. See ya. Enjoy. <laughs>